Why don't you open your Bibles this evening to the book of Psalms, Psalm 103. And if you want to, you can also turn to John, Gospel account of John, chapter 14. Psalm 103 and John 14. Well, we begin, I believe it was uh, 17 weeks ago. Uh, on this series called The Works and the Ways of Jesus. And we're concluding this series this evening on the works and the ways of Jesus. I believe this is our 17th segment, our 17th message. Uh, we talked about all a number of things, looking at Jesus and seeing how he operates. In Psalm 103, are you there? This has been our text for the entire time. Psalm 103 and verse 7 said, The Lord made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Israelites saw what he did. They saw the miracles, they saw the signs and wonders, but they never understood him. They never understood what was important to him. They never understood how he was operating and why he did some of the things he was doing. Moses, on the other hand, didn't just see what God did, he understood his ways. And so that's what we've been hungry for. And we've been reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now John, and all these are accounts of the good news of Jesus, his birth, his life, his ministry, and his being our final sacrifice. And so in reading this, we've been looking to see Jesus. How did he respond to situations? What are his ways? Are anybody beside me interested in seeing the ways of the Lord? And we've been seeing them. And so we want to go on this evening, uh, turn then, if you would, to John, the 14th chapter, continuing talking about the ways of uh, Jesus, the works and the ways of the master. I might say, well, what are we going to do next week if we're going to finish this up? Well, you understand we'll be through with John by the end of next week. And we will get into the book of Acts and right up here praying one Wednesday night, uh, a week or two ago, the Lord dealt with me. What was, it should have been obvious to me, but I didn't, I hadn't thought about it yet. He said, we'll begin then the works and ways of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And do you understand the book of Acts is a Holy Ghost book? I mean, you find the name Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, almost every chapter. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost this, the Holy Ghost that, the Holy Ghost said this, Holy Ghost did this. So we're going to get up over our head. Amen. I started to say up to our eyes, but we're going to go ahead and get immersed in the Holy Spirit. We want to know him. How many know he's a knowable person? And we want to know not just what he's done historically. We want to know his ways. Right now, how we can cooperate with him. How many would like the Holy Spirit, when he thinks about you, to smile? Yes. And think, yeah, boy, they're easy to work with. I like them. They're, <laughs> they're not a problem. They know me. They know how I work. They're easy to work with. So that's what, unless the Lord says something different to me, that's what we're going to begin next Friday, as far as I know. So John chapter 14, are you there? In John 14... 
And I tell you what, these chapters here from about John 12 through uh, 17, the one we read today, these are some of my absolute favorite passages in the scripture. All it is, is just Jesus talking. I mean, Jesus teaching and Jesus praying chapter after chapter. I mean, if you got a red letter edition, it's just red everywhere, right? And uh, in uh, John 14, Jesus is speaking and we want to see his ways tonight. And you'll see something so important. John 14, verse 15. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He went on talking about the Holy Spirit. And in verse 21, he said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Now, let's just stop right here. How can you tell that somebody loves the Lord? They keep his commandments. Another way of saying that is they do what he says. Now a lot of folk don't like it that black and white. But we're reading Jesus right? Amen. How do you know if you love God or not? And I say well I love the Lord. Well no here's how you know. Do you do. What he tells you to do. Let's keep reading. He that has my commandments. And keeps them. We could say does them. It's he that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. That's wonderful. Different translations bring out. He said, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Glory to God. Who gets this? People who love him. Amen. And what? And do what he said to do. Everybody say do. Uh, Get this etched in your heart indelibly. Everybody say love Love equals equals do. do. If you love God, then you do what he says. Now let's keep reading. Judas said to him, not Judas Iscariot, a different Judas. He said, Lord, how is it that you're going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus says it again. He said, if a man loves me, what will happen? He will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. In other words, we would say today, he will live with us. Amen. He that loves me not, how would you know they don't love him? Keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Skip down to verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father. How many understand Jesus does not have two set of rules? One for him and one for you. Mm -mm. Does Jesus love the Father? I mean the ultimate lover of the Father and Father pleaser. How do we know it? That the world, the whole world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so what? I do. I do. Everybody say it again. Loving God. 
equals doing what he said. And he just got through saying, he that loves me not keeps not my sayings. It doesn't make any difference. How many fish stickers or Christian stickers or crosses you have or how many tapes and books or how much you go to service or how much you shout or how many scriptures you quote or how much you talk in tongues or how much you praise God. It all comes down to this. When he tells you to do something, If you don't do it, then you don't love him. I didn't say it. He said it. If you love him, you will do what he said. Am I reading scripture? Am I quoting scripture? It's true for me. It's true for you. It's true for anybody. Now skip over to the 15th chapter. Chapter 15 and verse 9. Jesus said, 15.9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Stay in my love. Live in my love. And he tells you how to do it. If you what? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. If you do what I tell you. Now you understand this has a twofold application. Number one, he has told us what to do through this book. You know, if the Bible tells you what to do, you don't need to pray about it. You need to what? Do it. Now I know that sounds simple, but I have had people. I've had people that I've been talking to about a certain situation. And as they're talking, I'm thinking of scriptures. That that specifically deals with this. And when they finally wound down. I said well you know the scripture says. Do this. And if this is such then do this. And they said well. I'll pray about it. (laughs) Well honey ain't nothing to pray about. I mean this is going to read. Exactly the same. Before you pray. And while you pray. And after you. I've had people tell me well I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast and pray and seek the Lord about that verse. It's going to read exactly the same after you get through fasting and praying as it does before you started. (laughs) You don't fast and pray about the scriptures. You do the scriptures. Amen. Do it. You don't try it. You don't tell folk to pray that you would. You what? You do it. I said, you do it. Number one, be a doer of what's in this book. That'll keep you busy all day long. Be a doer of what's in here. And you know, this is absolutely perhaps the biggest key to you getting something out of your Bible reading that we're doing. We're reading these chapters every day. If you're not set in your heart that you're going to do what you read, you won't get light. You won't get revelation. It won't be open to you. But I tell you, it would help you immensely just open your life up to revelation if you just close your eyes before you start reading and say, Lord, this is your word. Your word has first place in my life. And whatever you show me in here, I will do it. Now, you're saying a mouthful when you do that. But when you do, revelation will come to you. Light will come to you. Amen. But then back up what you said. And as much as you see and know, do Now he goes, I didn't finish. Number one is be a doer of the Bible. 
Number two, God also speaks to us by his spirit inside. Now, he's never going to say anything to you inside that contradicts this book. He's the author of this book. Amen. The spirit that's in you is the same spirit that spoke through Matthew and Mark and Peter and Paul. Right? Moses. Same spirit. And really, the more familiar you are with this book, then when he starts to speak to you inside, it's familiar to you. You think, well, that's the same voice I've been hearing when I'm reading Matthew and John. That's the same voice I'm hearing reading Acts. Amen. But then there are specifics in dealing with uh, details of life that are not mentioned specifically in the word. The Holy Spirit will give you that. And as he does, you need to what? Do it. Be a doer of it. And that is the acid test of yours and my love for God. I mean, anybody can weep and cry and say, oh, I love the Lord. I love, I love the Lord. Well, that's all fine and good. But it doesn't really mean much unless you are a doer of what he said. I'd rather be more do than talk. Hadn't you? That's mighty weak, guys. I said... That's just like four people said, huh? Yeah. (laughs) How many would rather be more do than talk? Yes. Amen. Keep reading here. John 15, 9, 10, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Stay and live in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide and stay in His love. Now, this is not just talking about walking in love. This is talking about God's love for you, manifested in your life. When God's happy with you, you're going to know it. When God is pleased with you, the sky is bluer. The birds sound better. Even people that's been mean to you look better. When God is pleased with you, his love is manifest on you because you're walking in obedience. Verse 11, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is the key to full joy. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I mean, this is the main thing he told us to do. Right? This is the preeminent part of keeping his commandments, is loving each other. That's not about feelings. That's about treating people right. Amen? And caring about them and what happens to them. That's another message. Verse 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Get this now. You are my friends if what? If you do, whatever I command you. Now, you know, some people would take modern psychology and say negative things about this. They'd say, well, this is conditional. (laughs) Yeah, and it is. You know, a lot of people have warped thinking about what it means to be a Christian. There's much more to being a Christian than just saying, I believe on Jesus. That's being a believer. That is not being a disciple. A disciple, a follower of his, is an obeyer. Amen? 
And we, I don't think sometimes the cost of Christianity is mentioned. But Jesus teaches that it's going to cost you everything to follow him. Amen? That you got to be willing to deny yourself and not seek for your own life. And you got to be willing to not love anybody or anything or let anybody or anything get between you and him. Amen? Now that's not a negative thing. It's a good thing. It's the only way you're going to be happy. I said it's the only way you're going to be happy. It's the only way you're going to be full of joy. So Christians everywhere. And we're not going to point a finger at anybody. We're going to look in the mirror. Christians everywhere need to absolutely pull out the stops. And quit messing around. And say I am going to give God my whole heart. My whole soul. My whole mind. My whole body. Everything I am. Everything I have is his. I'm living for God full out. Amen. There really is no other way that's acceptable to him. And he knows that. He knows if you're giving 100% or if you're playing with it. And you do realize that we have masses of Christians that they give the Lord a few minutes on Sunday. But really that's it. And they believe for him to save them. But he is not their Lord. They are their own Lord. They are running their life. Amen. And they sometimes act amazed when people talk about hearing from God because they think, well, I never hear from anything. Well, I know because you're unwilling to hear anything. And he doesn't speak to people that are unwilling. But he says here, you're my friends if you do whatever whatever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. I have called you friends. For all things I've heard of my Father I've made known to you. That's the title of my message this evening. Friends of God. How many count yourself a friend of God? How do we know you're a friend of God? Back up and read this verse again just so there's no confusion at all. Verse 14, who's talking here? Jesus is speaking and what did he say? You are... My friends, the word friend literally means companion. How many like being the Lord's sidekick? (laughs) Being his running buddy. Amen. We're talking about the master of the universe. We're talking about the king of kings. You can say me and him's pals. (laughs) We're buddies. I'm his companion. Amen. And the word friend also literally means fond of. How many like the idea of him being fond of you? (laughs) He doesn't just love you by faith. He also likes you. Now that's excellent, isn't it? I mean, he loves the, the meanest sinner. He really cares for them. And he laid down his life and paid for, for their salvation. That doesn't mean he enjoys their company. Did you hear me? You know, sometimes people say, well, I, you know, the Lord loves me just like I am. And you have to, too. You have to love me just like I am. Absolutely no. No, I don't have to love you just like you are. I love you where you are. I do not have to love all your goofy ways. 
and all your junk. God doesn't love all the junk that people do and all their ways. If you love me, you have to accept all my ways. No, we don't. No, and we're not going to. We love you. We care about you. That doesn't mean all your thoughts and all your thinking and all your idiosyncrasies are God. And he doesn't love all people's ways. But how many like the idea of the Lord actually enjoying your company? My. Does that do anything for you? Man, that does something for me that the Lord likes to hang with me. He likes to pal with me. He likes me. Yeah, he loves me, but he also, he just fond of me. He just enjoys me. How many believe we can become more that way with him? Don't you like the idea of God enjoying you? It's for his pleasure that we were created, the scripture said. Well, go back with me now to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Talking about the ways of Jesus. This is something that was very prominent in Jesus' thinking every day. In John 8, he said, I do always those things that please him. Talking about the Father. Jesus was the ultimate Father pleaser. From the time he woke up in the morning to the time he went to bed at night, he was pleasing the Father in everything he said and everything he did. I know uh, years ago, some friends of mine that I actually went to high school with, we saw them some years after we'd been in the ministry, and uh, actually were able to get them stirred up about serving God, and they had kind of been backslid, some of them, and they got stirred up and got filled with the Spirit and really got, you know, on fire for God. And then we left, and we saw them, I don't know, a month or two later, and asked them, said, uh, I asked this one lady, I said, well, have you guys been reading your Bible and she said, well, no, Brother Key said, uh, you know, I guess nobody could ever read their Bible enough. Now, when she said that, something bothered me inside about that, but I didn't know exactly what it was. I didn't say anything. I just said, well, you know, that's how you get fed. That's how your faith stays strong. I mean, there's so many things that come from this, you know, stir up and make time. There's no such thing as somebody that's too busy to read the Bible. It's just people that are deceived. And confused. No such thing as somebody too busy to pray or too busy to go to church is people whose priorities are all messed up and don't really love God. Because this is supposed to be free. If you have to put something on the shelf, you put something else on the shelf, right? But not these things. And uh, in a time of prayer, uh, this came up to me again, that statement she said, well, I guess nobody could read their Bible enough. And it came up to me again. And uh, I thought, well, Lord, what's wrong with that? I know something's wrong with that. What's wrong with that? And he asked me a question. I don't mean to heard an audible voice now, but distinctly inside me, he asked me this question. He said, Keith, am I unreasonable? Am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir, I don't believe you are. He said, then you can read your Bible enough. Hmm. And I begin to think about it. People, you hear people say, well, I, guess, I don't guess we could ever praise him enough. I don't guess we could ever give enough. I don't guess we could ever pray enough. I don't guess we could ever. And he said, am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir, I don't believe you're unreasonable. He said, then you can pray enough. You can praise me enough. How many know that the Lord knows what you have and what you don't have? He knows 
You're, you only have 24 hours in a day. He knows you got kids. He knows you got a job. He knows you're going to school. Does he expect you to read your Bible 24 hours a day and never sleep? No, he does not. Does he expect you to just pray every breath that you take and do nothing else? No, he does not. Expect you to spend every waking moment in a church service? No, he does not. Can he be satisfied? Or is he unreasonable? Could you just read your Bible night and day and the Lord say, ain't enough. It's not enough. Read some more. It's not enough. Hmm. Well, how do we know what's enough? Thank God you got somebody inside you, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he will let you know. And it is possible to read till you get satisfied for right now. Amen. To pray till you get, I don't mean outside, but inside. You just have a satisfaction, a sense of release, a sense of accomplishment. Okay, that's good for now. Not for the rest of your life, but for now. Amen. Can you give enough to please God? Yes, you can. You can give enough. You can pray enough. You can read enough. You can please Him. He is pleasable. Say it out loud. I can please God. Every day of my life. He's not unreasonable. Think about this. Meditate on this. So many times all it takes is just a little bit more. Amen? Sometimes you're, maybe you're reading something and you don't feel like you're quite through. It might be three minutes more. It might be five minutes more and then you go, oh, that's good. That's good for now. Amen? You're praying, but you don't feel quite released in your spirit. Just sometimes it might just be two minutes. It might be, uh, you know, ten minutes. Might not be a lot. Now, sometimes it might be. But uh, when you get that release, he lives inside of you. When he's happy, you'll be happy. When he's satisfied, you'll pick it up. Amen. Follow that. Go by that. And when you love him, you want him pleased. You want him happy. And if 10 more minutes will satisfy him better, then give him 10 minutes. I mean, right? I mean, do it. Matthew 7, are you there? Say it one more time. I can please him. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that what? Doeth or does the will of my Father which is in heaven. It's not about talk. It's not about how many hollers, Lord, Lord, Lord this and Lord that. He went on to say, many, not just a few, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And <coughs> excuse me, and in your name we cast out devils, and in your name we have done many wonderful works. And I'll profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, let me just stop right here. Did you know that the Lord has not called us to do great things for him? Hold your place here. <laughs> Got a bunch of funny looks all across the crowd. What's wrong with doing great things? Well, it's a lot wrong with it. Go to 1 Corinthians. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3. You're under no obligation to accept what I say. But you are to accept what he says. People say, well, I, you know, I have a right to my opinion just like you do yours. No, you do not. Nor do I. We do not have a right to our opinions. 
We have a right to believe the Bible. Amen. And to do the scripture. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. He says, for we are laborers together for God. Verse 9, let me read that again. For we are laborers together, what? With God. God's friends, right? The Lord's friends, that main word means his companions. He didn't just send us to do a bunch of stuff for him. What has he called us to do? Work with him. Hand in hand. Every day. He's not looking for heroes to just go out and do exploits on their own. He's looking for people that can take orders. Amen. He doesn't need you to figure it out. He's got it figured out. Amen. He doesn't need you to blaze new trails and boldly go where no man has gone before. Jesus has already been anywhere and everywhere that anybody could ever go. Amen. And he's got the plan. And he knows what to do. Hmm? And he doesn't need somebody that's just, you know, while we're going to break records, we're going to do this. He needs somebody that knows how to listen. And say, yes, sir. And do it. Amen. No more. No less. Nothing else. What he said. Amen. You know, I, I get amused at some of these theologians and some of their commentary and some of their talking and preaching. You know, like Jesus would tell people sometimes when he healed them, he'd say, don't go tell it. Remember that? And I actually heard preachers say, well, now he was really just using reverse psychology because he knew it was so wonderful. They couldn't help but tell it. And he knew they were going to tell it. And so he just told them that. So they try to bottle it up and it just came out all the stronger. Then you're calling Jesus a partner to a lie. You're saying he's using deception. I don't even begin to accept that. If he told you don't tell it, you know what he means for you to do? Don't tell it. And yet people think, well, this is too wonderful to keep. I've got to tell this. You do not have a better plan. You do not know more about what's going on than he does. What would be wrong with telling this? He said, don't. Is that not enough for you? (laughs) You know, modern psychology has people, you know, telling parents that it is not acceptable to tell your child to do something because I said so. That you must give an explanation. That is unscriptural. And it is poor training for them to be Christians. Because the Lord does not give full explanations. He continuously gives no explanations. Hmm? Have you found that walking with him? He'll say do this. And you'll go why? And there will be silence. Nothing, because you know all you need to know if you're going to obey. You're either going to obey him or you're not. He wants us to walk by faith. Faith means you don't know why. You don't understand all about it. And yet you got people that get all up in arms. Hold on, you don't just tell a child, don't do that because I said so. That's not right. Well, who told you that? God's got more kids than anybody. 
And he's taught us how to do this. Hmm? You do not have a better idea. I don't care how many initials you got after your name. There's three that outweigh all of it. G-O-D. He is the expert. Right? It is perfect. In fact, you don't know how to walk with God until you understand that. For the Lord to tell you something. You know, and you just do it. To require having to understand before you do is not trusting. It is not faith. It is refusing to walk by faith. Jesus said, you're my friends. What? If you do. Now, of course, I know you have to understand. And I'll explain it to you fully. But when you can understand it and then go on and do it, then we'll be buddies. No, no. He said, if you just do what I tell you to do. Then me and you will be pals, friends, and I will know that you love me because you do what I tell you to do. Keep reading. He said, verse 24, therefore, whoever, all right, well, you're in 1 Corinthians, aren't you? Go back to Matthew 7, should have told you to hold your place. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we were there, said we're laborers together with God. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, don't turn there, but it says the same thing. It says we are workers together with, with him, not just for. You know, it would help you tremendously if you just change that word. Don't just all the time be saying we're working for God. No, we're doing what? We're working with God. Amen. That means we check in with him. Every morning. And we check in with him every hour. Amen. Is this the way you want it? You want this? Are we going that way? Is that not right? And I don't mean you have to hear audible voices. But you check in your heart all the time. Amen. Is this the right way? Is this pleasing him? Working with. Everybody said out loud. Working with. With God. Not just for God. With God. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us personally. Amen. It's not like we're out of touch. He's right on the inside of us. Amen. We should be working together. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them, doeth them. I will liken him to a wise man which built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell not for it was founded on a rock. What is the rock? Now, that's not exactly accurate according to this passage. What is the rock? The rock is doing what he said. Did you hear me? Keep reading. Well, some of you didn't know if you liked that or not. Back up to verse 24. Don't take my word for it. What did Jesus say? Therefore, whoever believes on me. No. Whoever what? Hears what I say and does those things that I say, he is like the man which built his house on the rock. Right? So what enabled you to stand? What put you on the solid foundation? Yes, Jesus is the rock. It's true. And yes, he is uh, the anchor. He is the hope of our salvation. But in Jesus' teaching right here, what is the thing that puts you on the solid foundation? It's doing not just saying I believe on Jesus. It's doing. 
doing. And in verse 26, verse 25, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew. It was a storm. Now, did you get this? Living by faith doesn't mean you never have a storm. This man, this woman loved God. They heard his words and they did his words and they still went through a horrendous storm. Didn't they? And I know that maybe somebody might have told you that if you'll live by faith, the devil will just leave you alone and you'll never have any problems. But they told you wrong. I said they told you wrong. Faith does not assure that you never have challenges, tests, trials. Faith assures that when the dust settles, you'll be standing. Amen. Faith assures you will overcome. The wind will blow and howl and the rain will beat and the flood will rise. But when you're a doer of the word, when it's all said and done, you'll be standing there with the blessing in your hand. Amen. But... He said, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house. Now he built something, didn't he? He heard the word. He's a church goer. He may be a Bible reader, maybe a tape player. Yeah, but not a what? Not a doer. Not a doer. And he built something. And as long as the weather was good, it all seemed fine. Looked like he's doing just as good as the guy who is a doer. Hmm? See, people sometimes act confused. They go, I don't understand that. Because so-and-so, they're a faith person. They've been in the Word for 20 years. And I just don't understand how that happened to them. Real simple. It's not the hearers. It's not the meeting goers. It's not the tape players. Who is it? Only the doers. The practicers, amen, that abide and stand the storm. When this individual, when the storm came, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. It was demolished. Because it's not just talkers about the word, shouters about the word. It is only the doers that will stand the trials. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I am a doer of the Word of God. That also makes you a friend of God. Glory to God. Now go with me back to the book of Genesis. Genesis, and let's go back to uh, the 12th chapter. Did you know that at least three places in the Word of God, Abraham is called the friend of God? He is. He's called the friend of God in the New Testament in James and in Second Chronicles and in Isaiah. At least three places I know of. Specifically, he has that title. Abraham, the friend of God. And I want you to see one of the big things why he's called this. I mean, we already know what Jesus said, so we already know the answer But here you see the evidence. In Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. And he went on to say, I will bless you and make your name great and make you a blessing and bless them that bless you and curse them that curses you. And in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. 
So Abraham went back and he talked to his family. And they said, well, now the kids are in school and they got friends here and we need to at least let Susie finish high school. It'll only be three more years. And, you know, grandma ain't doing good and we need to stay and see after her and the business, you know, we have commitments. And so in five and a half years, they were ready to... This is what happens every day, isn't it? How many understand it is not okay to tell the Lord to wait? Ever. It's never okay to tell him, Lord, I will, but you got to give me time. That is unacceptable. He's the creator. He gives you your next heartbeat and your next breath. There is nothing that's acceptable for you to tell him, I have other priorities. I have other things that I've got to take care of. And as soon as I can, I'll get to you. But we got the kids and we got the friends. We got the business. I'm sorry, God, but soon, I promise you. No, you just blew it. I said, you just blew it. No. And oh my, my, I have seen this. I have seen this. I'm thinking of people right now that they came to me and said, the Lord told me to leave here and go do this thing in ministry. And I said, well, do it. I mean, if the Lord told you, they said, I know he did. I said, are you sure? I know he did. But I got some debt and I got some things. I said, well, give me your hand. And I prayed with them. I said, Lord, right now we claim, you know what they need, what needs to happen to loose them up. We claim the money to pay off these debts. We claim the things to come into place to enable them to go do this. They said, yes, amen. In three months, all their debts were paid off. Everything, they were loose and free and ready to go. A year later, I hear they still haven't moved. I asked a friend that knew him, I said, what's the deal? They said, well, you know, mom and daddy wasn't doing too good. And, and some of the friends said, we need you to stay in the community here. And we need, so we're not just going to, we're not going to do it right now. And that's been eight years ago. And they're still sitting right there. And bad thing after bad thing has happened in their life. And it wasn't God. God didn't do it. God's not punishing them for not obeying him. They're just in the wrong place. And out of his grace. Did you hear me? It takes faith. I know when the Lord told us. You know. I mean we put down roots in Tulsa. Been there for 20 years. I had everything. You know pretty much like I wanted it. And the Lord says go to Branson. I thought why? (laughs) It's a great place. But I mean. What you need me and Branson for? But I couldn't get away from it. And so Phyllis come up here and got in the room and just got in the floor and prayed and prayed and sought God and drove around and looked at stuff and prayed. And, we, and it got stronger and stronger. We thought, well, we got to go. And we had people tell us, you're crazy. You can't do that. People tell me, you can't do that. People tell me, no, you're crazy to get a big place like that. Try to have a church. You'll just go in a hole. You'll be ruined. (laughs) You know what I told one person? I said, I would rather fall flat on my face trying to obey God 
than to sit in the boat and play it safe and be too scared to move and do nothing. If I miss it, I'll miss it. I'll get up and admit it. I'll say, hey, I missed God. But don't let it be for lack of willingness and lack of courage and lack of faith to step out and obey. And God's been so good to us. I said, he's been so good to us. Some people were asking us a while back. And they said, well, you know, don't you need this to help? And don't you need that to help? I said, no, the church is carrying itself. In two months, the church is carrying itself. Glory to God. That's God. I said, that's God. (laughs) You know, really, who said the seats had to be full to pay the bills? Is there any rule that says that's the way? Now, you know, I can preach just as good to a full house as I can a half full. And it's coming. It's only been four and a half months. I mean, but at the same time, who said you had to have a certain size congregation? God could deal with one person in the middle of the night to send you a big check and just solve your problems. If you can believe, if you will obey. It's been happening. It's happening. Glory. Tell me what Abram did. Abram, the friend of God. I don't mean verse 5. I don't mean verse 9. Verse 4. The very next verse. So Abram was gone. (laughs) Oh, are you getting this? God says, Abram, I want you to get out of town. You leave mama. You leave. I know you like her cooking. But you leave mama. You leave daddy. You leave the cousins. You get out of here. And next thing you know, he is gone. Did he know why? No, he didn't know why. Do you understand all that? No. He just obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. He obeyed. Glory to God. In the 15th chapter. The 15th chapter. The Lord told him, he said, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And he took him outside. And he said, you look up in the sky. You see all those stars, verse 5? He said, can you count all them? No, Lord. He said, that's how many your seed going to be. He didn't understand that. We still can't count all the stars with all our mighty telescopes and satellites. He had not a clue how big God was talking about this. But verse 6 says, and he meditated how these things could be. Huh? And he wrote to the preachers of his day. And said, does this sound like, hmm? And he what? He just, friend, it is really this simple to be the friend of God. He just looked up in the sky and he said, wow. Okay. If you say it. I believe it. If you say you're going to do it, then you will do it. I believe it. Didn't understand it. And it made God smile. He said, that's my friend. That's my buddy. Abram, me and you going far. Because you know how to work with me. Amen. Skip on over just a couple of places here. In the um, 17th chapter. 17th chapter. Abram, the friend of God, God appeared to him and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect and I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he talked to him and he told him to institute circumcision into all the covenant people. And he told him to go get sacrifices and meet him. 
He did it immediately. He went and got the sacrifices and he went out to meet God. God came and spoke to him. And the Bible said, verse 23, after that, Abram took Ishmael his son and all that were born in his house and all that were bought with his money, every man of the men of Abram's house and the circumcision of the flesh of the foreskin in the what? Self. I mean that day. For the sun set. In the self-same day. Verse 26, it says, In the self-same day was Abraham circumcised, Ishmael his son, and all the men of his house. Everybody say, same day. Same day. Say it again, same day. Do you know that the law of sowing and reaping is universal? And that you reap not only what you sow, but you reap in the way that you sow? What if you're all time dragging your feet? What if you're all time three days late and five days late and a month late doing what God told you to do financially? That's how it's going to come back to you. That would explain some things, wouldn't it? <laughs> I said that would explain some things, wouldn't it? I know one of the most amazing things happened to me some years ago. A pastor friend of mine called from the other side of the country. He said, Brother Keith, stand with me. I'm needing something financially. I've been believing, and I believe I've got it. I'm not asking you for money, but I, man, I really technically I needed it three weeks ago. And I'm really up against the wire, and would you stand with me? And I knew he wasn't asking me for anything. He really just wants faith. And I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so we agreed, and I hung up the phone. I'm expecting that money to get to him. And when I did, I was actually on vacation. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, do you want me to do something about this? Do you want me to send him some of this or part of it or all of it? And the Lord dealt with me, no, I don't mean I heard a voice. But inside he said, no, I have been dealing with somebody else. They're dragging their feet. But they're supposed to do it because they're, for one thing, it's my choice to use them. Not only that, they don't know it, but they need to sow this because they got some things coming up. Just within the year. That they need to have this seed in the ground to sow off of. So no, I'm dealing with them. Well, it was only like, I don't know, two or three days later. I got up in the morning, still on vacation. And just being quiet before the Lord for a little bit. And he spoke to me. He said, wire that money to that minister this morning. I thought, oh. Of course, I just about cleaned my account out. If I did that. And I said, Lord, I thought you said... You're dealing with somebody else. He said, I was. But it's down to the place where they're not obeying and I need this done today. Will you do it? I said, yes, sir. I'll do it. It'll be in their hands this morning before lunch. And you know what, man? When I did that, the Holy Ghost came on me that day, that morning. And I'm telling you, he, I mean, my bank account was low, but he was ministering to me. Why? Because it ministered to me. He could trust me. If something came down to the wire and he needs somebody to do it, he just tapped me on the shoulder because he believed I would do it. He believed I would obey him now. Amen. And see, I got their blessing. I got their harvest. They should have got it. But I got it. And that's why some of the same people keep getting used again and again and again because other people won't obey. But I want to be the friend of God. Don't you? I want to be uh, that he knows if I got it, he can have it. Amen. If he wants me to do something, I'll do it. It takes more than talk to do that. But you can. You can have a heart like that. Said out loud, I am.
the friend of God. On down here in the uh, 18th chapter, in the 18th chapter and the 19th verse, you know without going into it, I mean the final test of this is God tapped Abraham on the shoulder one day and he said, uh, you know that boy you love so much? He said, yeah, he's my Isaac. He said, I want him. You take him up here on the mountain, give him to me. And what the Bible said happened? He fasted for 40 days to see if, because this is serious stuff. I mean, to see if this, uh, he went back and talked to his wife and said, does it, you think this is God? Next thing you know, they are gone. Going right up that mountain. Do you see why he is called the friend of God? God says, jump. And he literally does say, how high? And he does it right now. Amen. He's somebody that the Lord can work with. And he said in verse 19 of Genesis 18, Genesis 18, 19, he said, talking about Abraham, verse 18, he said, he will surely become a great mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring on Abraham that which he's spoken of him. I want him to say that about me, don't you? That was Genesis 18, 19. He knows him that he will do what he said he would do. Go to 1 John in closing. First epistle of John. 1 John and the second chapter. 1 John 2 and 3. 1 John 2, 3. It says, hereby we do know that we know him if we what? How can you tell people love God? How can you tell people know God? They do what he said. Without hesitation. Without arguing. Without reasoning. And without delay. Amen. They do what he said. Verse 4. He that says I know him. I know him. And keeps not his commandments. Is a big fat liar. It absolutely makes no difference how much you think you know God. It's kind of like people, you know, they have their own, you know, married people. I've seen ladies before, and they believe they are the most wonderful wives on the earth. You know, that doesn't make any difference what you think. What does your husband think? You're not your wife. But they're just convinced that they are the most wonderful why? Men, because I'm the greatest husband in the world. What does your wife say? It's not what you say. <laughs> it's not what you say how much you love God and how much you know God. It all boils down to doing. And he knows what you do. Verse 5, he that keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. And hereby know we that we are in him. In the third, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, third chapter. I think this is the last verse. Third chapter, verse 21, 321, 1 John 3:21. He said, Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, and see, when you're doing what he told you to do, your heart's not going to be condemning you, then have we confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive of him. How much do we receive? 
whatever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his eyes and his sight. You know, the Bible said that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. What kind of life are we talking about? Pal of God, running buddy with the Lord Most High, and whatever you ask, it happens, and even your enemies are made to get at peace with you? Glory to God. This is the life for me. Can you say that out loud? Stand up on your feet and say it out loud. I am the friend of God. I am a doer of his word. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and thank him for the grace. Lord, thank you that we can be and that we are friends of yours and doers of all that you command. Glory to God. Pray it out loud with me. Father God, forgive me for anything and everything that I have failed to do of what you told me to do. And have mercy on me and give me another opportunity and all that you would that I should do. Show me, make it plain to me, and I will do it. By your grace and with your help, I say it aloud. I will do it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, praise you, praise you. Come on, just praise him a little bit. Take a little time and bless him, praise him, magnify his holy name. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name, praise your holy name, praise your holy name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Praise you, praise you, praise you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.